Hello and welcome to the Animation Communication Podcast. For your source of discussion about animation, film, fandom, and more. So please join our host, I Love Kim Possible a Lot or KP, and Lyle Convoy or Lyle Manbad. This episode contains some mild adult language. Hi everyone, welcome to this week's something's animation communication. Woo, I'm I'm KP lady person on the internet talking about stuff. Uh, so as usual, I mean, I, I probably wouldn't do the show without Lyo unless like there was a reason. So Casey got sick or something. So Lyo's with me. So hi Lyo, how how you doing, my dude? I'm doing all right. Oddly enough, I was sick at the beginning of the year, but hey, I'm over it now. Good for you. Now I'm just old. <laughs> yeah, you're just old. I mean, I get sick a lot anyway in general. My immune system is garbage, but plus, like, you know, all of my stuff, stuff, quote unquote, it's, you know, I have to be careful because I, anyway, you guys yeah. aren't my doctor. Anyway, um, this <laughs> this episode, we got Sketchy back. So Sketchy, how you doing? Hey, guess who's back, got back again? Sketchy's back. Tell a friend. I'm doing great. <laughs> that's that's an Eminem that reference. reference. They were talking about rappers before, and I'm white, and I don't know anything. Like I know like two things about rappers, so and I'm just like, like R. Kelly is the bad one, right? So, yes, you know, yes. I'm glad I got yes. that reference. <laughs> yeah. And then I think Kanye is also the bad one too lately. We won't get into that. <laughs> <laughs> Man is an enigma to me, and I will never understand him. But it's not. It's not my business too, so not my not my service. Yeah, I saw that documentary. That made me cry. One, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I just remember one time when people were um, icky to me. I think someone compared me to Trump, and then someone compared me to Kanye, and I'm just like, I hate, what? I hate both of those. Everyone needs as to someone that is familiar <laughs> with Kanye. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Uh-oh. And as someone who's familiar with Trump, I'm not. <laughs> go in the corner. Go in the corner. I, I think we're all more familiar <laughs> with Trump than we would like to be. That's 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 oh my that's God. fair. Uh, but you know, he's so. I'm glad we don't have to, to to hear about him that often as much. <sighs> you know. Anyway, um, so our topic today is um, how to be an independent how to be an independent artist, um, not autistic. Um, so, but we have a couple news stories first before we start. Um, obviously, I had to cut, cut that one, um, the, the first one. So, uh, um, I guess I'll start with one, um, the only one I, I kind of saw. It's been kind of a quiet news week. I, we double-checked the stories before we started, and the, only, the biggest one right now, uh, besides the, ones, the other ones we're going to talk about, is uh, King of the Hill got renewed again for hulu to follow futurama who were getting on hulu so i don't really know much about king of the hill lyo you probably know more about king of the hill because you're you're old and that that show's been around for a bit but um you know i know it kind of has a cult following um the only and i obviously it's more realistic than um Mm -hmm. both in tone and in style than a lot of other stuff but um can you speak to any king of the hill history Oh yeah, I love King of the Hill. It was made by Mike Judge, who, oddly enough, and this is odd because usually uh, an artist or a writer, their work is similar across mm-hmm. their field in general. Like if you look at Bruce Tim stuff or anybody stuff like that, Bruce Tim who started doing the He-Man mini comics and he moved into doing DC, and we know him for Batman and the DCAU. But with Mike Judge, 
to my knowledge, and I could be wrong here, I'm not a Mike Judge historian, his most well-known animation outside of King of the Hill is Beavis and Yeah, Dwight, that, to this which day, is extreme, that surprises me. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, it's extremely irreverent. It it actually got into some some trouble because, you know, parents accused, one parent accused the show of enabling their child to light their trailer on fire or something Dude. asinine because the kids shouldn't have been watching it to begin with. But if you look at King of the Hill from, like, an outside perspective without looking into the show directly, it doesn't appeal to a lot of people on the surface because they look at it and they think, well, it's set in Texas. It's got your typical homegrown country boy. It's probably going to be a really hardcore conservative show that makes fun of all liberals, but it really doesn't. It actually subverts that quite a bit. Hank's still very much so rooted in like the old-fashioned ways, but he doesn't generally hate things because they're new or different. A lot of times, he just has to try to understand them, and it usually ends with like him, you know, uh, letting people know that he still accepts them. He's always there for his son. He tries his best to actually be there for his family. He's unfortunately now a subversion of the typical um, sitcom father in animation because mm-hmm. most of them are garbage human beings. Hank. He screws up, but he does genuinely try, and he does really love his family. So it's it's a really wholesome show. It really is, and it doesn't it doesn't really tend. I can only think of one thing. It's done. There's like out of the realms of normal reality. It, it, they never went into space. They never fought aliens. They never had to deal with a world disaster other than one little joke they had before another movie that was a segment there. Uh, the only thing they did that was kind of outside of the realm of what they normally do is they had like a character who died come back for a few minutes as an angel to talk to his girlfriend, who was Luann at the time. And that's about the only thing they've ever done. And it was just, you know, kind of a closure thing as opposed to, well, this is just a normal reality we have to deal with now. So it's a very, very close to home thing. So we've had them, like, falling without a parachute. People have survived that. They've been in the middle of a tornado. People have survived that. They had a, a department store blow up, which has also happened. So these things aren't outside the realm of reality. So it's just a really, for the most part, down-to-earth show. It's very slice of life, but it's not like cutesy like K-On or Lucky Star. It's very uh, mud and soil type. Yeah, it like it. If there's any word to describe King of the Hill, it's grounded. Now I don't have that much experience with King of the Hill, but I have nothing but respect for that show. It was something that was needed at the time, and you could argue that it's needed now. To be completely honest with you, yeah, yeah, it is. So, no, I, I look forward to it, and hopefully it won't yeah. suck. Hopefully, <laughs> yeah, didn't fingers they crossed. To, they, try, <laughs> they, they tried to uh, reboot Beavis and Butthead like a couple of years ago, right? Yeah, like back in, back in 2011, they tried to reboot it. I was like 15 at the time. That reboot came and went. But I think they're rebooting it again. Yeah, Or have rebooted again. Yeah, they are now. And, and, and so far, like what's shown up from it, like usually when a new cartoon is announced or a continuation, you have the, the grifting jabberheads on both sides of the yeah. aisle decrying or accusing and in this case it's more of the people who are on like the right just thinks it's stupid and the people on the left think it's stupid so like congratulations for still being stupid but i don't think it's the type of stupid beavis and butt has been known for and of course that's speculation for me because my parents didn't let me watch it because i was a child and they knew better my parents were in college actually (laughs) wait 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 wait, wait. beavis and butt came out in 1993 right Mm-hmm. Like Beavis and Butthead, when did that drop? Let's see, Beavis and check. Butthead, nineteen ninety three. We have the nah, okay. My parents were out of college by then. My parents were out of college by then. Barely. <laughs> Rip. Um, 
Yeah, and then I know they're they're doing some new uh, Daria content too, and I know Daria. I've seen a couple Daria's, so I know that's that's people oh, no. like Daria. So who said they do? But Dar- Daria's. How do I put this kindly? Daria is absolutely one of those shows that very much so dates itself, and if they try to do it now, I'm genuinely going to worry that they're that they're doing gay. Hello there, fellow kids. I think type the of issue thing. is that like the type of person Daria is, like that kind of like sardonic sarcasm. That was funny back then, but now, right in the era where those people that grew up on that show are now like adults, that person that Daria is, the the, the real life equivalents tend to be the most annoying person in the room. So the cultural attitudes surrounding Correct. people that act like Daria does have shifted, and therefore I don't think Dar- a new Daria is going to hit the same way the old one did. Yeah, for my um, for my memory, it's a um, it's a spinoff movie about um, the cheer- the black cheerleader that's in Daria. So um, something like that. But huh. you guys know who I'm talking about? I think so. It's, it's been, been a, a long year. time since I've seen Daria. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So, uh, you know, it's not. It's not. It's a Daria Jason. It's not, you know, directly. I mean, but you know, I don't know. I don't know the specifics. They could be making um, like that plus regular Daria, more mainstream Daria. I don't know. I don't know. All right. So that's so King of the Hill. Um, you know, and does King of the Hill, I assume yes, but uh, Tom, does King of the Hill have like a cult following, or you know, do people kind of? Oh yeah, it's got a oh, massive yeah. following. It's it's one of the very it's one of the very few shows that you know. Usually, if a show is popular, there's like a heavy set of you know detractors. I mean, you two come from the Brony Spear, you know exactly what I'm yeah. talking about. But King of the Hill, very rarely do I see like some really outspoken person who really hates the show. I think I've seen it maybe once, and that person got annihilated on Twitter over it. So it's very much so loved. It's just like, unlike other shows, like what fan content do you make? Occasional fan art. That's that's about it, mm-hmm. right? So it's not something you see out in the open, but God, there are fans, and they love that show. I think the most, the most prominent uh, King of the Hill stuff is probably the meme. So like, you know, um, like one of the things I know about King of the Hill of like, is is like the the JPEG meme and stuff like that. So <laughs> I love that one. Do I look like I know what a JPEG and is? And it's like, oh, if those people could read, they'd be really mad at you. And of <laughs> course, everyone knows Pocket Sand. Yeah, Mucky style. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think my favorite variation of Pocket Sand is when they redrew Dale as Gara from Naruto. <laughs> that one got me. <laughs> Uh, one of my favorite lines from the show is like they're they're going off and they're using um, Nancy's news vans. Like we're taking a news van. Brilliant! How will they ever report the crime? <laughs> Talk on Dale. So I um, I guess it, right, it, it so. remains to be seen how how the show is, but I imagine uh, original creator dude is attached and all that stuff. So we'll move I on. So, yeah. Talking about this for a while. Yeah. Um, so, unlike, Anna, unlike Animaniacs. Um, and then uh, there's the Proud Family reboot has been released, and I guess like relatively recently, there's been some episodes that um, I don't know how I, I don't know how I put this. It, got, like, it, 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 it had some it had certain uh, grifters and individuals mad, even though it's doing the same thing Proud Family's been doing since O two. Mm-hmm. Like the first. Like, mm-hmm. the first Proud Family series, for context, it did an episode about Islamophobia at the height of post-9-11 uh, fear-mongering. Mm-hmm. 
Like if that, if social media as it is, as it is now existed back then, people would be saying the same thing about that, that episode. Guaranteed. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Unquestionably. And I, I brought that up in other conversations I've had with people talking about like newer versions of some of the eighties cartoons. Like dude, if like the original He-Man and She-Ra came out now, the minute She-Ra got greenlit, you guys would be spewing the same vile stupidity you do all the time. Like you guys don't have consistent standards. That's why I make fun of yeah. them. No, Proud Family Proud Family has made it very clear what their values were. And what they've complained about is of course um, the song about how blacks built black slaves built um the United States which, again, is not out of pocket for Proud Family, and I don't think there's anything in the song they said wrong, but we were talking before the show. Some people are claiming it's communism, and I don't think they know what communism God, is. Like, that made me laugh. The Red Scare collectively rotted the brains of Americans because, like, y'all will call anything communist without any kind of, like, idea of what it means. I remember when I was doing MLP, people called Starlight's Village communist because they heard the word same and stop thinking from that point onward. Like, no. Wouldn't that wouldn't that be more like a yes, cult? Yeah, it's absolutely a cult because it's like it's it's not about equal economic status. It's about equal talent. This is because like in a communist system, if you have a specialized skill, they want that. The fuck? Like, come on now. Ah, I should. I, I cussed. Ah, damn it. Nah, it's it's it's. <laughs> you did it again. We're gonna have to get a square jar, but yeah, I probably called the communist too. Just, for, but I, I did for the lols, so you know. You see how, jokes. you see how stupidity gets me amped up, like. Yeah, same, same. But uh, the other thing was apparently they were having an issue among their friends group of their white friend dating a black boy, and the thing is, I'm not black, obviously. But I'm also, like, aware. And I know these conversations, specifically with teenagers. Because here's the thing people need to understand about teenagers. They are ignorant and stupid and get wound up on really stupid crap. So, as far as that goes, like, I know that stuff tends to happen. But at the same time, I also don't know the context of how that scene falls out. Is the show trying to say that their concern is uh, not a good one because it's racially motivated? Or are they trying to say that it's okay because their friend's wrong for dating a black boy? Like... That's that's context that needs to be added because anybody can snip. And this is what uh, a lot of fear mongers in the eighties did. Like they would take a look at specifically religious mm-hmm. ones. They would take a look at an episode of He Man or Thundercats, and they're like, Ah, look, look, uh, that one has a devil priest in it. It's like, Yeah, but the devil priest is a villain, you moron. What do you think you're supposed and to do? And then there's like the Pokemon. And they, they in remove 90s. all context. Oh God, don't start. <laughs> that's the that's one I was there yeah. for. I, I was. Yeah, I was there for that too, and even then, I thought it was freaking yeah. stupid. So, in regards to the Proud Family, right, I have not seen the episode either, but I'm going to walk in very optimistically because I'm four episodes in, and this season has really impressed me. It's addressing, like, almost all of the things that I wanted to see from this season, and so I'm going to walk in pretty optimistic. But in regards to racial preferences when it comes to dating, that is a conversation I'm very familiar with, and... One thing that comes up a lot is like, like you know, preferences. I have a preference for X, Y, Z, right? The issue that, pe- yeah. that, that people don't really like understand is that it's fine if you date another, if someone of a different race, right? The problem mm-hmm. is yeah. some people will say that they have preferences, but they will bring those preferences up when nobody asked. <laughs> That's the problem. That is the problem. Like, when we're just, like, 
bro, we're talking about Apex Legends. Why are you talking about how much you like black women? Like, <laughs> nobody asked you. That's the thing. And, and the thing is, right, people can tell when you're when you're with them because you're fetishizing them. And that is, yeah. that's a big thing, right? So I would have to actually, yeah. like, watch the episode to see if that's the angle they take. Because it is a very nuanced topic. And yes, the Proud family is very susceptible to handle it poorly. But the thing is, even if the show does handle it poorly, that doesn't mean that the show is woke. It just means that they handled a sensitive topic in a suboptimal way. And that's a much, that's a conversation you can actually have because then we can actually talk about like, okay, what is the best way to talk about this? Instead of just saying, oh, it's woke, it's bad. What's that? Well, I, I hate What's that new expression. It's mid. <laughs> mid yeah I, I hate i hate the phrase woke in general because i like words to have consistent definitions so i'll, I'll ask somebody it's like all right so what do you mean by woke um pushes a liberal agenda i'm like, all right all right all right let's see if this is consistent um was captain planet woke and usually they're around my age or a little younger and they're like well no i love that show i'm like yeah but guess what captain planet was pushing what was at the time a very leftist yeah. idea which was recycling and environmentalism because right-wing people did not like it. A lot of Christians didn't either for some really stupid reason that I still have yet to wrap up. This is before Al Gore. But it's just... An inconvenient truth, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but it's just... Okay, if you don't think that's woke, then, then you're inconsistent, and therefore I have to discard your definition. And it, you know what I need these people to do is just admit, you know what? I don't like this. That's the thing. You can just say you don't like it. People will just use buzzwords to just mask the fact that they don't like it. They don't want to sit down and unpack why they don't like it or pinpoint what the actual things are. Because here's the thing with the term woke, right? Woke used to yeah. have a meaning. Here's a, a lot of like, a lot of these buzzwords will come from the vernacular of minority groups, right? So woke and cancel yeah. both came from African-American vernacular English. Woke had nothing to do with your politics. Woke just meant that you are in a aware state of mind. You are conscious about yourself and your surroundings, regardless of what politics you have. Like if you have a very deep understanding of yourself and your place in the world, that, that means you are woke. But... Idiots got a hold of it and started using it to push their agendas. Same thing with cancel. Cancel didn't have anything to do with, like, you know, destroying someone's career, quote unquote. Cancel just canceled used to mean, okay, I'm not really messing with this content anymore. And so for my well-being, I'm going to disengage. That's what canceled used to mean. But then people saw people saw folks that knew how to use the word using it misinterpreted the definition and then that's how we we have that's how we are where we are now yeah don't get me started i'm not surprised (laughs) i i'm not surprised in the least bit unfortunately because i mean uh, vernacular from minority groups tend to be really prevalent online and half the people don't even use them properly and then it has to be changed so you can you can talk to people in another way they'll understand, and that gets appropriated too. It's a terrible the best, cycle. You the mean best, there's uh, dumb people online? Yeah. <laughs> a scene that really points that out is, okay, I might be making showing my age here. There's an old episode of SpongeBob where Pearl says the term, like, oh, she's like, oh, we don't say cool anymore. We say coral. The second SpongeBob starts saying it or Mr. Krabs starts saying it, Pearl calls one of her friends and says, yeah, Pearl, it's out now. <laughs> Coral, definitely out. 
But I guess we'll just uh, keep our ears on it and find out what the context for it is. Some people are already saying, "Oh, I already know what the context is, and it's it's bad." They're they're not con- they're not condemned for their action. I'm just like, you know, I've heard this nonsense before too from people who totes had inside sources, yo, and they are never yeah, right. I'm gonna have to to keep my finger on the pulse. But so independent, being an independent artist, huh? That's a journey. Oh wait, we got we got Lyo. Did you have one more news story? Oop. I have one more, and this is, this ooh, is the special ooh, ooh, ooh. one. This is the special. So, everybody knows about the Animaniacs, remake, correct? Right? Yeah. They didn't. They didn't. They didn't bring any any of the original writers on. Not even the original creator. Yeah, that was. But that there was, was one shade. that followed right after it. It was. There was one that followed right after it. They wanted a Tiny Toons reboot, right? Yeah, they brought Spielberg for that, right? An ep- well, he still is on like. The, li- the logo and whatnot, but I don't think he's as involved as people think he is, just like I don't think he was in the uh, original. But an episode's leaked. Okay. An episode got leaked. And it's... it's no, bad. no, I had high hopes for this, man. No. It's bad. Nah. <laughs> Number one, uh, Bo- Babs and Buster are related. Okay. So there's that. Okay. Uh, the entire episode seems to be, and of course I haven't been able to watch all of it, but it seems to be very much so centered around... Um, cross-dressing which you know looney tunes does cross-dressing all the time i don't Mm -hmm. really care but the color palette's really muted and buster bunny's voice sounds like a 30 year old man man uh i'm I'm still gonna hold out hope i'm still gonna hold out hope man that'll teach you to hope so i i was so (laughs) looking forward to luniversity like when i found out that it survived the the merger purge i was like all right cool so it survived. Let's see if it comes back. And uh, I'm sad. Man. Wah, wah, wah. Yeah, it, it kind of has the same vibe of the uh, the Clone High reboot. Uh, the first episode got leaked, like, I think two weeks ago. We will talk about that more when, like, the whole thing drops. I don't want to, like, harp on it because, yeah. like, the crew and, you know, for the sake of that. But, like, um, yeah, I think there's, I mean, the, the difference there is the, all the Clone High original people, like, it's, like, I forgot, uh, Miller and the other guy, um, the Spider-Verse guys, the Spider-Verse writer guys, I clarified, not the director, um, like, it's their baby, so, you know, of course they're going to come back, and, like, people were, like, really angry about it, and I was just like, yo, it's, it's, it's fine, you know, it's, it's not too funny, but it also has to reestablish a 20 year old show <laughs> so yeah <laughs> just just cool your cool your chill i'm sure it'll get better once you know once they don't have they they kind of find their pacing a little bit but you know you know i, I, I don't know part, part of the problems with like the new animaniacs would be um the fact that they're not really taking very many cues from the original cartoon for the most part and part of that's because they seem to be taking a lot of uh cues from old Spumco staff because I know um, one of John K's understudies you know that type of person unfortunately doing the stuff they had to deal with is also on the show and a lot of that yeah a lot of that that humor gross out humor whatnot is translated which is why after the first season I did my review and I dropped it because I'm not one of those people who hate watches things because I have a life and the the chat won't be able to see it or the people who are commenting won't be able to see it when they listen to this but here is a screenshot from the uh, new Tiny Toons. Oh, wow. <laughs> Buster, you have a long way to go before you can stack up to how Bugs can rock a dress. 
It's a good thing you're going to school. You got a lot to learn. <laughs> oh, Lord. All right. So that's, that's all I've got for animation news for literally anything. So. Oh, okay. I didn't know. Um, yeah, I didn't know Tiny Toons got leaked. So, you know, um, I guess there's, there's that. Are you in the secret club, though, Lyo? No, I am in no I am no secret club about that specific thing. I am in other secret clubs. Oh, okay. Uh, let's actually talk to the t- talk about the topic. Uh, it only took us an hour to between everything to get. <laughs> um, Sorry, so like that, independent like artists. So this is what I was I was going to ask you about this independently sketchy because I'm trying to like at least like establish that a little bit. Mm-hmm. I've been dipping into doing some like commission live streams where like. You know, people don't have to give me money, but, like, it's very, like, you know, if you, you know, you get something in return, it's not just a donation kind of thing. Like a pay-what-you-want type thing? Yeah, kind of. I mean, it's, well, I guess it's not, you're not giving me nothing for nothing, but, like, you know, the commissions are cheap in general, and then Mm -hmm. if you don't want to commission, then you can just still watch and vibe. Mm -hmm. You know, there's, like, you know kind of thing so i was gonna ask you about like how because you you from what i remember you make decent bank doing doing independent art stuff and yes, that was ma'am. just like my 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 only thought is just like oh is he drawing furry porn is that how he's doing it so <laughs> um but i was you know so t- tell t- tell the the audience the five people um your secrets of how you how you make how you make your bank well um for me right uh, one thing yeah. a lot of people got to understand is that it's not about having like a hundred different people that commission you, but rather having like a pool of frequent clients, like a lot, like the, the bulk of my income is from return clients. Matter of fact, I could like, cause like I do PayPal and PayPal has mm-hmm. a very interesting thing called merchant insights. And you can actually see like in, in a certain, in a single calendar year, like, what percentage of your transactions came from new people and what percentage is uh, returning customers. If PayPal will load, that, that, would, that would be great. It took, there it is. Okay, okay. So let's take a look at 2022. Uh, let's see here. So there's a breakdown of like what countries the, the transactions came from and... Here we go. New versus returning customers. Show data for. Ah, it'll only show me. So it won't. It won't show me. Uh, twenty twenty two. Okay. Well, all right. In the past, in the past ninety days, over seventy five percent of my transactions were from returning customers. So that's one thing, right? Another thing is um, scheduling. Uh, I actually have like. I actually like to write down physical notes on my schedule. It helps me remember things. So every mm-hmm. year I buy like a little like daily, weekly calendar thing where like there's a page that has an overview of the entire month. So on the side, I write, okay, what are the commissions on my queue? And then I look at my week and I say, okay, what days am I working on what piece? And Saturdays, mm-hmm. I tend to dedicate towards knocking out several commissions on my queue at once. Uh... One thing that people would like to see is when you're as a when you're consistent as an artist, that means that your clients can trust you because mm-hmm. I have I've been in situations where like 
where I've had friends where they commission an artist and that does really good work. They love the work. They hate the wait time. Yeah. And the thing is, right, here's the thing. It's not just about, like, the raw wait time. It's how much you wait versus how how long they're going to tell you. Because if the artist tells you, hey, uh, it's going to take a month for this to be done, and they get it done in a month, okay. If, it t- if they say it takes three months, but they get it done within that three months, okay. It's when you give someone a time frame and you take significantly longer than that. And there's no, like, significant emergency. Because obviously, right. you know, stuff happens. We're all human. We have lives. But, you know, communication is paramount. Because people talk. People talk about the artists they've worked with and the experience of working with that artist. Mm-hmm. And if you, you, you can be the best artist in the world, but if you're not good to work with, your commissions are not going to be popping like that. I feel, yeah, so, like, I mean, I think that's also true, too, as far as just, I mean, like, I've talked about, like, how important communication is, but, like, when you're in any, like, online environment, like, people, it's hard, like, like people can't read your social cues if, like, something's going on for the most part, mm-hmm. it's mostly via text, mm-hmm. you know, so, like, you have to, like, volunteer-specific information or, like, you know, like, put yourself out there, too, but, like, part of it is like when you're actually running a business when you're making money like it seems like common sense to me to be like to keep your clientele updated with your schedule so you know that you don't fuck anyone over yeah because ultimately right ultimately as a new artist you have to you have to think less about getting new clients and keeping clients keeping clients Mm -hmm. is the is the important part because when you keep those clients, those clients talk. When those mm-hmm. clients come across people that are looking for an artist, who do you think is going to tell them to come to you? Them. Yeah. The, the better relationships you foster with your clients, the more free advertisers you have, essentially. <laughs> and it's such a, it's a cold-hearted way to put it. But am I wrong? No. No, I don't think so. Like, I don't want people to think that I see my clients like that. No, no. I'm just saying that, like, the better... That's that's just life. The better of a person you are... generate good PR. Yeah. The better of a person you are, the more good things people have to say about you. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. A friend of mine does his own freelance art, primarily painting in oil and acrylic. And he told me, because he, he runs a toy store as a, essentially a secondary income. And he told me the key thing about being an independent artist is essentially promoting mm-hmm. yourself and being a, a personable mm-hmm. person who can communicate with others and not be a complete and utter dickhead all the time. Because that's word of mouth how that spreads and people find out you're decent to work with, they'll be more inclined to work with you. Yep. Now, on the flip side of the coin, you also got to know your boundaries, right? Because you obviously you want to be a nice and personable person, but you also don't want to be someone that can be taken advantage of. Right. So, like, let's say, for example, uh, if you're an artist and you say, you know, uh, I don't draw machinery. Machinery is not in my wheelhouse. Uh, I don't feel comfortable charging somebody for something I don't that, that I'm not too good at drawing. Right. And you you lay that boundary down. It's in your TOS. Oh, yes, also have a TOS, please. But um, 
you lay you lay down your TOS, right? And then someone is, you know, routinely trying to like push you, like be nice at first, obviously, right? It's like, hey, you know, I, I don't really do that, blah 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 blah. But if they just keep pushing and pushing and pushing, that's when it is okay to assert your boundaries. You know, don't you, you wanna be nice, but don't sacrifice your boundaries. Mm-hmm. Correct. So let me uh let me backtrack a little bit. So how did you kind of get started? Because obviously people just don't, you know, walk into a clientele base essentially. Well, um see what happened was uh <laughs> When did I start doing oh, com- no. when did I start doing commission? So I got my first drawing tablet on my 16th birthday. I had been doing art by mouse prior to that. Oh. <laughs> so uh, I graduated high school in 2014 and I was about to start art school, right? So I was like, you know what? Yeah, you know, my parents got me covered for college, but I like to make my own money that I can do what I want with. So yeah, mm-hmm. I opened up a PayPal account and I started just like doing commissions. Um I had, I had like been posting my art on DeviantArt because it's back when I was, you know, I was, I got into MLP in like 2012. So we're in 2014. So I was in, I was doing pony stuff for like two years. And then, right, in around September of that year, I started my YouTube channel. And I did all the art for my YouTube channel myself. So me gaining notoriety on youtube kind of fed into my commissions and Mm -hmm. both both platforms continued to feed into each other until it reached a point where in 2017 i was starting to get people who knew me for my art before my youtube channel okay interesting yeah so my so did my like Go ahead. As far as that, like, did you just, like, put on the end of the YouTube channels, like, oh, yeah, I do commissions, you know, kind of thing. Abs- yep. I-, I remember exactly okay. what I said, too. Because, like, you, like, at the end of my videos, I usually say, uh, what was it? What was it? Swarm the comment section, bug me on social media. And I used to advertise my commissions at the end of my YouTube channel, at the end of my YouTube videos. But it reached a point where, like... I was getting so many commissions that I really didn't need to advertise them on my YouTube anymore. <laughs> I was like, y'all know I do commissions. Y'all know what's up. <laughs> but yeah, it was it was just using every platform that I had to feed into the art until the art could sustain itself. You got to use everything you got. Okay. And how long did it reach? It only took you a year to kind of start reaching capacity as far as like how much you could do. Reaching capacity in what way? And like, um, you know, taking as like, you know, till you had to say, okay, that's as many commissions as I can like fit into my schedule. Let me, let me like backtrack a little bit. <laughs> uh, I don't think I never did because here, here was my strategy, right? First of all, um, I started, I started doing commissions in 2014. 2017 was where I started making like upwards of like 500 to like $600 a month that eventually grew into a thousand and eventually grew into 2000. Right. But what, here's what I did. Mm-hmm. Um, my commissions were always open. I never closed them. But what happened is what happens is when I start to receive too many commissions that I can provide, I raise my prices. 
Supply, oh, supply and demand, baby. That's what it's about. Supply and demand. <laughs> like once it starts to reach a point where it's like, man, I don't have enough time in my schedule to draw something for myself. Time to raise the prices, which only really happens like. The last time I raised my prices was January 2022. The last time prices were raised before that was June in 2020. And that was kind of tough because we were in the midst of the of the, of, uh, of the Panera Bread, if you will. The panoramic. Panera Bread. The panoramic, if you will. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, Ugh, people are gonna people are gonna need their money, but I really should raise my prices. So I waited a couple months and I was like, okay, I'm gonna raise my prices in June. If if I experience a significant lull in commissions, then I'll just go back to my old prices. And not only did I retain my client base. People were buying more commissions for some reason after I raised my prices. I was like, what is this? That's not, this is not what college taught me. What is happening? But yeah, whenever I feel overwhelmed, it's like, okay, supply and demand, raise the prices. That's, that's the strat. It's a good strat to have. It's been paying the bills, dog. (laughs) It's been paying the, Um, I think my first like major, my first like major achievement like what was the first like like I I've 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 obviously like bought like game consoles for myself before like but my first like big big purchase was buying like a like because once I was out of college I didn't really like need a laptop anymore so like in 2021 a couple of years after finishing college I got my very first like custom PC like I I built the I I picked all the parts out and and uh, I had a company build it and send it to me that was my first big purchase that i bought entirely by myself i didn't i didn't get it on credit i bought it outright and i felt so accomplished like man i i did this i did this nice to give you years and like how old was i at the time like what 20 yeah i was 24 at the time like how many people at 24 could say that not many not in this economy yeah it 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 (laughs) I cannot, like, I cannot uh, express enough just how blessed I am to have been born in the situations that I was in. Like, a lot of parents, a lot of parents, a lot of artists don't have parents to support their dreams. I did. Mm-hmm. A lot of parents, a lot of, see, I'm saying it again. A lot of artists don't have parents that are willing to pay for their, co- for, for them to go to art school. I did. A lot of artists don't have parents that will go to their friends and say, hey, look at what my kid did. Like God put me in a great situation, dog. It it and I'm 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 grateful for it every day. And I just try to make the most of it. You know what I mean? That's that's a good yeah. attitude to have. Like, you know, um I'm kind of in the middle where, you know, like my parents have never not been supportive of like what I want to do. Like eventually like Ideally, at this point, like, it'd be nice to have some side cash, but I, I would like to break in, like, before I'm 35, ideally. But, like, they also, like, you know, I think a lot of, you know, kids who want to be artists, too, like, parents don't really know what to do about that because it's not a straightforward path. Like, do we send them to school? But people say they don't need to go to school. Like, there's kind of a, a push and pull. So I, you know, I feel like I've have I'm basically having to go to go backwards a little bit to go forward, but you know, eventually it's it's helping. Um, so 
you know, it's interesting to hear other people's, like, um, experiences with this, because, like, I also, yeah, I don't know what I'm doing, so, you know, um, let's see, is there any, I'm trying to think if there's any other questions I have. Uh, Lyo, do you have any questions, or sketches, or anything else you want to, like, talk about, with, like, any aspects of this? Well, I have a fun question I tend to ask any independent artist, specifically commission mm -hmm. artists. Two things. Number one, we'll start out with something nice. What is the best interaction you've had with a commissioner? And two, the one everybody loves, what's the worst experience you've ever had? With oh, okay, okay. Yeah. So I got to like sit up to talk about the worst one. We're going to talk about the best one, right? So <laughs> the best experience I had wasn't even, the, wasn't even the person that paid the most money for a commission. Uh, but it was $600, by the way. Um, <clears throat> but... <clears throat> Excuse nice. me. Got something in my throat. <laughs> uh, the best interaction I had was um, someone that had been commissioning me for about a year. Like we we uh, after about a year, we just started like talking like as like just like general friends because we had a lot of co a lot in common. And then I found out that he had been following my work from before I even started my YouTube channel. He was a fan of me for that long and he he's been through so much like he, he like he's got a job now he got married and all that like and he like my my work has been a part of his life all throughout that and now it's at a point where like he's a patron of mine he's a frequent commissioner of mine and like that that kind of like got to me like somebody had been following my work for almost a decade at this point and now it's reached the point where we have connected as people and we're like like straight up friends now. And it it's crazy how the world works sometimes. That's the best interaction I ever had. Oh, I'm gonna cry. Okay. And now for the worst. <laughs> I was gonna be like, now 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 for pain. Woo! Okay. So I wanna take you guys back to summer twenty nineteen. So, uh, I stream my art. Uh, I've been, but, uh, at the time there was a person that I had worked with like once before, but like the, the, the idea was kind of weird, but it was like, oh, it's not completely out of my comfort zone. I guess I'll draw it. But problem is, right, is that after that, you know, as part of my TOS, like, Obviously, it's okay to ask for, like, a, a quote from me. You know, it's like, hey, how much is this commission going to cost, right? But if you come to me and say, I want to get a commission from you, and you go and you fill out my form and everything, and then you tell me that you don't have the money, even though I it says, like, you know, when you're filling out this form, it means that you are ready to pay for the commission. He didn't have the money, right? And, you know, all right, yeah. you know, it's the first time you've done this. I'll, I'll say, hey, okay, so when can you have the funds? Because I, I, I had a pretty hefty queue at the time, so it'll just give me more time to work on the queue, right? She's like, oh, I'll have, my, I'll have the money by X date. X date comes. You got it? Oh, no, no, I'll have it by X date. And I was like, all right, um, listen, how about you just, you just uh, come back when you actually have the money? I'll cancel the invoice and just come back when you, when you have the money, right? So another time he comes around 
it's of something that is outside my comfort zone. So I said, hey, um, this is on my won't draw list. So uh, yeah, I, I can't do this. If you have a if you have an idea that does fit my my comfort zone, I'd be happy to be happy to do that. But this right here, I can't really do. So uh, from that point on, it was like every time he would come around, it would be either I don't have the money or he would ask me to for something that was outside my comfort zone. So it reached a point where I was like, hey, um, unfortunately, I'm going to have to blacklist you because I, you know, even though I've like told you what my terms and conditions are, you've routinely ignored them and I can't really work with somebody like that. So I'm really sorry to say, but I can't work with you anymore. Okay. So which brings us to summer of 2019. Uh, I'm doing my thing on stream. I get a whisper. A whisper, for those who don't know, is like when someone it types in the chat, but only it's towards you specifically. So only you can see it. It's like, hey, are you open for commissions? There's a person I hadn't recognized before. So I'm like, yeah, uh, here, here's my price sheet. Here's my TOS. And here's my form. Uh, looking forward to working with you. So fills out the form. Uh, the idea was fine. And... Uh, they had the money and everything. The only weird thing was uh, in this in my form, I have a section where you say where you put down what your preferred method of contact is. And he put other, but didn't actually say what the platform was or what the username was. And I was like, I mean, all right, that's fine. I guess I'll just ask him. He's like, hey, you forgot to do this. So send the invoice. I get the funds. The funds are pending, right? And I was like, oh, okay, I guess they, I guess it must be a new account because that, that's what happens. When you have a new PayPal account, uh, it takes a while for you to send funds and to receive funds because they want to make sure you're not just making a burner account, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah. it's like, all right. Uh, so um, I noticed that you didn't put like a form of contact on the form. What's the best way to send works in progress to you? The username he gives me is the username of the person I blacklisted. <laughs> well, at least he paid you. Uh, so <laughs> I said, wait a minute. So here's the good thing. Here's the funny part, right? I say, uh, wait a minute. Are you so-and-so? The first thing he says to me, I'm really sorry. So what, you so what you're telling me is, if the first thing you tell me when I find out that you are the person I blacklisted is to tell me that you're sorry. That means you knew that what you were doing was wrong. That means you knew that what you were doing was wrong. So I said, listen, I blacklisted you for a reason. And this is a gross violation of my boundaries. So what I'm going to do is I will not be taking this commission from you. And I will I will be refunding your money. So I go. So while I'm getting that done, right? I go to do the I go to do the uh refund and they and PayPal tells me that the refund will be pending on until the funds have been cleared, right? Cause and that's when it started to click. I was like, oh, that's why the funds are pending. That's why it's a new account. You made a brand new PayPal just to go around just to get around the fact that you were blacklisted. Okay, okay. So I'm writing up the email to send to him saying that, okay, 
his situation. PayPal is saying that you will not get the funds for the refund until X date. Uh, I've done everything that I can do on my end. The, the money's in PayPal. So after I send that email off, I go back to the stream chat. And this person turned from apologetic to indignant like that. It was like, where's my refund? Where's my refund? Give me my money back. And I was like, <laughs> listen, 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 <laughs> listen, listen. If you want your money back so bad, maybe you shouldn't have. If your money is so important to you, maybe you shouldn't have lied to me in order to get a commission from me. If it's so important to you, if it's so important for you to get your money back instantly, maybe you should have waited a while after you made your little burner account so that you could get your funds when you send them or when they're returned to you. So because you decided to be dishonest and make a burner account, now your funds are going to be in limbo until you get them back. So they leave. No, did, did I leave it? Did, did I leave and then I blocked them? Or did I block them? I think I think I blocked them. They were blocked, but I wasn't sure if they left first. But anyway, so I'm like, all right, uh, it'll take about a week for the funds to clear. I just got, I just got, just gotta wait for that. Unfortunately, he made other accounts to send me whispers saying, "Where's my refund? Where's my refund?" It's like I already sent you an email. Your inability to read. Ooh. Your inability to read. It's not my problem. Bye-bye. <laughs> so, finally, like, here's the thing. The day comes, and the funds still aren't clear. It's like, PayPal, what is wrong with you? This person is harassing me. Get the funds to them so they can leave me alone. Ugh. Like, so, the funds finally get back to them, I think, like, a day or two after the actual date they said they get back. And I haven't heard from that person again. Thank God. Hopefully it stays that way. It sounds like an annoying piece of trash. And it, it's weird because, like, it's crazy how people will switch up the second you tell them they're not going to get what they want. Because while yep. this person didn't know how to follow instructions, they were pretty polite. Like, when I blacklisted them, they said, like, oh, okay, I- I'm sorry. And they didn't push it past that. So I was like, all right, well, you know, you can't follow instructions, but at least you're polite. Not. That turned out to not be the case. Well, Sketchy, you have to understand. You should have just given him what he wanted. I mean, clearly the problem was you. It was your fault he can't understand instructions. I mean, come on. What are you thinking? See, you say that, but I'm so I'm so used to I'm so used to hearing it. I'm sure you got a lot of really uh, demanding people. Who do not understand boundaries and do not understand common sense. It's crazy because, like, like, part, like you know, my values is that, like, I, I'll give you a chance, but those chances are limited. <laughs> like, I don't like. I, I'm a, I'm a staunch believer in don't assume malice when it could easily be ignorance because it could be, but once it's clear that it's malice. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I mm Some people have just never been punched in the mouth and to let you know who they are every day. <laughs> but yeah, um it's a I was I was mad heated at the time, but hey, I, I, I laugh at it now because 
Especially because um, th- that's the thing. Again, I'm blessed because those funds from that commission could have been like the difference between having a home and being homeless for somebody. Oh wow! Yeah, because like some some artists out there are struggling. I was uh, in the very blessed position to where if I didn't get these funds, I would be perfectly fine. But but there. It could have been a lot worse. He could have done this mm-hmm. to an artist that needed that money and would have hesitated to give that refund. But for me, because because I was set, I had no problem refunding the money. It was not worth it. Was not worth it. And that's something I get mm-hmm. scared of with, with artists is that like, because I've been there. You work with some, like, when, you're, when you don't really have a lot of choices, you'll be willing to work with people that are terrible to work with but they pay. But once you start yep. to get a steady source of income, you can afford, you can literally afford to be picky. Yeah. That's true for a lot of business just in general. When you have a startup business, they tend to take as much business from anybody as they can. And then mm-hmm. when they start actually getting decent like patronship one way or the other, they start being able to be more selective because they're not relying on every single dime. And sometimes customers not worth yeah, having. And around. that's the thing. Like, what do you tell these new artists? Because it's like, you can't just tell them don't take the money because like it's, it, it's, you understand where they're coming from. So it's like, what do you say? Like, what you tell them is never ever try to put yourself in a position where your values are compromised for money. Mm-hmm. Because once you cross that line, you're not going to come back from it. That is true. And a lot of these artists, because, yeah, and a lot of artists are very much so introverted um, by nature, or they're socially shy, or whatever, and they have a hard time saying no. So what I tend to tell artists, especially in the circles I run, it is two things. Number one, uh, be consistent in what you say no to. Do not give these people wiggle room. And number two, raise your prices. Because every single artist I have ever met that does commissions. Do not charge enough. I look at the prices I had when I was 17 and I vomit. I go, ugh. Nasty, yeah. ugh. Yeah, I have, I have pretty cheap prices, but that's just because I'm just starting to do like online commissions. So. Yeah, so for me, right, as I am someone that likes their alone time, but I am extroverted. I do like talking to people, especially if we have common interests. I love talking to people. So I definitely didn't have that problem of like, and see, I'm, I'm going to do the best I can to avoid con- avoid a, a, a tangent. But considering that I was primarily in the Brony fandom, we're well aware of, of the severely conflict-averse culture. Yeah. What? Y'all soft. No yes. way. <laughs> It's like nobody wants nobody want like nobody wants to stand up for themselves. Nobody wants to put their foot down. So when you're in when you're in that it when you're in that culture, a person setting basic boundaries comes across to people as stuck up. I've been told by people that I've had an ego just because I stand up for myself. And for, first of all, by definition, everybody has an ego. What are you talking about? Know what words mean? But yeah, I, I'm. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I don't like bend my knees to you. Uh, I'm. I'm sorry that out of all the people that you could have talked to in this fandom, I'm the one person that will tell you no. I'm sorry that's such a bother for you, but you got to deal with that on your own, chief. 
Oh man, I just have flashbacks. But yeah, like it just like I won't go into. Okay, be quiet, Toby. Um, I won't go into my stuff, but like I think too, it's you know that's something I have that I, that's something I have a problem with, especially in person, because like for you know until like this point, for the most part, I just did commissions at conventions. And, like, if someone, like, it, it doesn't happen that often, but, like, a couple of times there have been some hoity-toity people that are just, like, I want a refund on this commission because it didn't turn out exactly how I wanted it. And I'm just, like, and I, and I've been, and I came, and I'm just, like, okay, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, my art's so bad. And my mm. art's kind of, like, I feel like my art kind of varies depending on my mood. Like, I feel like when I try, like, I'm a really good artist, like, and I have really good life drawing skills, but, like, when I don't try, I'm just, like, it's a doodle, you know, it took me five minutes, whatever, you know, hopefully no one will notice. And, like, it always, you know, I mean, this is just a side note, like, sometimes I'm just like, oh, that turned out like shit, but, like, the client's really happy, and, like, why are the, the, the pieces that I think turned out like shit are the ones that, like, my child's going to frame this in her room, and I'm just like, okay, you do. <laughs> um, when you do your commissions, do you keep them updated on progress? Um... Well, um, so right, right now I've just been live streaming commissions so they can see the progress as I, I, I do them in the live stream or, you know, it just commission, like for the convention commissions, like usually people will come back and pick them up so they can check yeah. my progress. But they're, if they're doing other things at the convention, they're not going to probably come back every half an hour to check progress. So, so um, okay. what I've seen people do at conventions is... Uh, is uh if you do like do you have a especially with the advent of telegram and discord is like hey what's your discord what's your telegram a lot of artists have like specifically business accounts on those platforms mm -hmm. and when they're commit when the commission is in progress they will just send a picture of the commission over discord or over telegram or if they're live streaming like for me if i'm live streaming a commission and the client isn't there or they're in and out i will take a I will stop, take a screenshot, and send the work in progress to their primarily, mainly Discord. Mm -hmm. So that's a good idea. Yeah, or whips, you, whips, whips. Or you can use a Google Voice number. You can use a Google Voice number and text them like their mm -hmm. contact while you're at the convention. Because if you're giving them updates or they know what they should be getting, and then they do the whole, it's not turning out the way I want it to. Um, that's a them mm -hmm. problem, and you've got to be able to tell them, hey piss off oh. right right so like i've i've definitely had to learn my lesson of saying like hey this art is done you know i don't mind giving you like some extra swag because it didn't turn out exactly how you wanted but like you know i did spend like 45 minutes on this like yeah you know suck my dick yeah i mean you don't want to say it. you don't want to tell customers <laughs> to suck your dick i mean like, i mean i mean you know me metaphorically respectively metaphorically in, in, like, in minecraft you know. in minecraft do that you know, I have, like, examples of my styles, too, and it's not, like, just, you know, it's very, like, sometimes, like, you know, it, it can be overly harpoony and stuff like that, you know, whatever, because, you know, realistic stuff it fucking takes forever. Like, I have this really pretty realistic elephant in the beginning just being like, hey, this is my, ta this is my actual talent, here's my cartoon stuff, so, you know, but anyway, uh, ramble, ramble. Yeah. So, um... I guess my other question, Sketchy, is what would you suggest for people who, like, want to start, you know, commissioning or start, like, dipping their toes into the professional world of art, TM? Well, your story actually, like, reminded me of the fact that, yes, send whips and send whips often. Whip stands for work in progress. 
That way, there are they are the client is in the know about what it's looking like. And also, what I would suggest is, um, what I would suggest is, if your client wants changes, tell them. If you want like changes, changes are only asked for in the sketch stage because at that point, it's very easy to make those fixes. Like in terms of like composition, posing, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Once you're past the sketch phase, the only edit you can really ask for is like, oh, uh, could you change the hair color? Because like depending on how you draw, changing a hair color is easy. But like yeah. changing the pose or the facial expression or something, that's different. So yeah, say that like, hey, it get you get only ask for changes in the sketch phase. Once you're past that, if you want to change, you're gonna have to pay for it. It sounds mean, but it incentivizes clients to be decisive about what they want. Also, sometimes a little bit too much. <laughs> well, yeah, that's true. That is true. There are people that will send you entire essays. And the only thing that you need is in like one sentence in the middle of paragraph three. So be like decisive, but concise, please. And another PSA, commissioners, if you give, if you tell the artist that they have artistic freedom, you better mean it. (laughs) I do not. Everyone's getting a handsome squid. I do not. I listen. If you tell the artist, hey. I uh, feel free to experiment. You have artistic freedom on this. That means that whatever you get is what you get. Because, like, if I, especially, like, because, like, like, I, I commission almost, like, almost if not as much as I get commissioned. So if I either give the artist artistic freedom or the artist says that this is an, is an artistic freedom piece, then that means that what I get is what I get. And honestly, you should be more open to artistic freedom stuff because honestly, they could give you an interpretation of your character of, or of your concept that you didn't con- consider anymore. That you didn't consider before, I mean. Because a lot of the, uh, the updates and refinements I've made to my character designs have been a result of seeing how other artists draw them. Mm-hmm. But yeah, a, a big, like, the, the main thing, takeaway as a new artist is consistency, communication, and boundaries. Mm-hmm. And and don't let people try to pull a fast one on you, because while I don't, like, open commissions or anything, because several reasons, I had one person hit me up on DeviantArt years ago, and like, hey, do you take requests? I'm like, it depends. Like, if somebody says, hey, can you draw Thor? Like, audit, because freaking Thor's rad. But <laughs> this person's like, um, can you draw... He essentially asked me to draw, like, um, diaper fetish mm. stuff. Uh... I'm, like, no. Mm. I'm like, no, I will not do that. And then he tried to change it up. He's like, um, how about just, like, regular babies? I'm like, no. I know what you're doing. And just, nah, no. Cause Go I, away. Uh, <laughs> that I'm not the guy. I'm not the guy. <laughs> right? Sorry, Doggo is being noisy. And then, do you have any technical advice to, like, start your business? Like, do you have any websites, like, obviously, besides PayPal that you recommend? And, like, you know, where you should start posting your work, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, That would depend on, like, what kind of art that you do. Like, if you do, like, 
a lot of like pony or furry stuff obviously like fur affinity twitter is an all-around is an all-around place if your work is if all of your work is safe for work instagram's a good choice if it's not then instagram ain't the place for you uh surprisingly people still do new grounds so you know i uh new, new grounds is, is, is a solid uh solid place uh, oh, a tum- Tumblr is also good if you're strictly safe for work as well. Uh, and then as far as like uh, equipment, thankfully, uh, the barrier to entry to get drawing tablets is a lot lower than it was when Lyle was younger and when I was younger even. Because like the, the, the stuff that the money I would pay to get my first drawing tablet could get me something better today. So thankfully, the the barrier to entry has lowered significantly. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, cause like I have oh. a I have an iPad Pro that I draw on, but now the iPad Air can oh. be just as good. Right, right. So you don't yeah, have to this... pay the big bucks. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, you don't have to. You don't have to pay the big bucks. But thankfully, knock on wood, this iPad Pro that I got has lasted me four years because like that's the main thing with like technology and apple products in general is that i get scared about how long it's gonna last if i'm spending this much money on it but this thing still works like it's brand new like i don't have any chugging Mm -hmm. issues i don't have any like significant like things where it's like man i'm considering upgrading nope all reliable right here then i also have a tablet i use on my desktop but yeah um brad colbo is a very good resource uh his site has like a list of like tablets that he would recommend and they're like different categories like so like people that are budget conscious people that want to go all out people that want a monitor tablet people that want a mobile tablet like he he's got you he's got you speaking of equipment one one thing real quick that artists need to understand if your equipment starts giving you issues Start preparing to replace it. Don't wait until everything craps yep. out and explodes, and then you don't have the funds for it. You guys have got to keep up with that. I know that you don't want to. I know it's a lot of money to drop, literally, no matter what it is. But, guys, if you don't keep your equipment in working order and up to date and making sure you don't work off of a 10-year-old PC, <laughs> you, think about it. You're going to be in a position where you won't be able to take commissions to pay for things because your stuff's broke. Start, <laughs> start like... Like if you if you start seeing like signs of things like going bad, it's like just just like hey guys, uh, my 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 equipment is starting to show some some wear and tear. Uh, I would like to you know save up so I can afford a replacement when the inevitable happens. Like like do do the do the fundraiser before the equipment breaks is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, good advice. Yeah, like I was lucky. When I got my when I got my PC because like my laptop was starting to show its age, it was starting to slow down and all that, right? And but it was still like functional. But I still wanted the the PC, and it was basically my birthday gift to myself. Because uh, my, my birthday was April, I ordered it in March. I didn't get it till June because of the the panoramic supply shortages. But it's beside the point. Um, but not soon after I got my desktop my laptop started being like real real slow and i was like "Ooh, i picked the right time to get this mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
be like that. <laughs> it also doesn't hurt to have a backup device. Like, like I remember, yeah. I had like an XP Pen Artist 16, right? Prior to that, I had the 10 inch model that I had two years prior. And what happened was there was a uh, a thunderstorm struck my apartment and Oof. zapped all the ports on the left side of my laptop and completely bricked my 16-inch drawing tablet. But I still kept the 10. So I was still able to do work. That's, that's, that's good wow. advice, yeah. Sometimes people forget that, like... Um, you know, if you're, you like, generally you need at least like an iPad or yeah. something. Um, you know, but if you if your if your equipment breaks, you're just fucked. Yeah, don't immediately sure. sell. Don't immediately sell your old equipment once you get something new, because you never know what's gonna happen. Because mm-hmm. like for me, there was a point where I was drawing on my iPad more than my desktop tablet, but I never considered selling it because number one, a third monitor. Number two. If the if the iPad goes on the fritz, I'm gonna need something to draw on. Mm-hmm. So you know, please, you gotta you gotta plan ahead, plan ahead. That, that's just a general life tip, but especially for artists, because you know how volatile our profession is. Yep. Fair, fair. Um. All right, I think I'm good. Leo, do you have any questions? Any other or any other points of discussion? The only thing I can say is uh, everyone make sure that your equipment is in date and raise your prices. <laughs> All of you. Please. please. You, you, know, you, know, you know that song that Rihanna did for Black Panther, Lift Me Up? Do that to your prices. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. I gotta, we gotta, gotta establish a client base, though, sometimes first. What, when you... <laughs> Nah, that, that when you be... do, when you establish that client base, it doesn't matter how high your prices are. They'll pay. <laughs> Again, I say it with love. I say it with love. <laughs> Just so we're clear. So come to Sketchy if you need a loan for your business or your I'm not trying to co-sign on nobody's loan, you feel me? <laughs> yeah. Listen, listen. <laughs> Sally May is still like threatening to take my wrists because of all the loans I haven't paid. Hey, I was like, hey, listen, Joseph said I didn't have to pay you yet, so calm down. <laughs> all right, I guess we can we can we can wrap up. So, um, um, yeah, so we're gonna again try to start getting the podcast relatively regularly. So, um. You know, if you if you like the podcast, we put it on YouTube, um, and then all the, the so not the social media, all of the podcast sites, SoundCloud, Spotify, all that. Um, I don't know if we still put on we put on Spotify and Apple Tunes and stuff like that too. So uh, you know, make sure you're subscribed on wherever so um, you can listen to me and us rant about dumb shit. So. Um, you know, if and then if you're new to the channel for some reason, then uh, please subscribe, follow. Um, analytics are garbage lately. Like we're actively losing subscribers. It, it makes me really, really anxious. But um, you know, tell a friend, tell tell your mom, whatever. Um, and I'm on I love KP a lot at all the places and, and sketchy. Where can people find you? Because you're the, you're the guest. Like 
you can find me. Let me, let me at, stop talking. <laughs> you can find me at uh, Sketchy the Changeling. That's my YouTube channel. Uh, Sketchy Bug is my Twitter. Uh, I've been getting into Twitch streaming lately. Uh, we 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 play games and we suffer while watching trash reality TV. That's what we do on my Twitch channel. Uh, sketchy underscore Bug. Uh, yeah. And and where can people find you, Lyo? Uh, you can find me here on the podcast, obviously, and at my channel, Lyo Convoy. And uh, I talk about boomer stuff. And sometimes, when he's feeling spry, sketchy comments on it. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah uh, he did a very good video about a uh, episode of Spider-Man from the Venom arc, my favorite Spider-Man villain. Uh, I highly recommend you watch that video. Very good. Oh man, I forgot. I, I I forgot. Lyo's old. Yeah, yeah. I you know I need to be reminded every five minutes because you know. <laughs> if he's younger than my parents, he's still young. How old are your parents? Uh, my dad's fifty-seven. He will be fifty-eight this year, and my mom is will be fifty-six this year. And how old are you? Twenty. Now? I'll be twenty-six. I was born in the nineties. My parents are born in the sixties. Okay, I'm closer to your age than yeah. you, so there's still hope. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, there, there's still hope. Yeah, my parents are like early Gen X. Like my my dad was born. I'm at the age. My now. dad was born the year after the baby boom cut off. Oh goodness, it's gotten to the point now. I've gotten old enough to where if I'm dealing with a teenager and they're getting stupid, my first question can legitimately be, "Hey, is your mom single?" <laughs> oh God! Listen, 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 listen. I've been saying that since I was 20. I don't know about you. (laughs) Well, I like them older, too. (laughs) Kindred spirits. I like it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, that's all I got for tonight. All right. Well, thanks, everyone, for listening. Hopefully, this helped you um, give give you some good skills if you want to start being an independent artist. And then... um, I'm starting to do live streams and art, so if you want to buy things, um, my my I did a Ko-Fi, so my Ko-Fi is that I love KP a lot, and um, you know it's very slow starting out, so you know I, I like money, so feel free to shoot me some 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 bills, y'all. Um, <laughs> and thanks for listening again, and we'll see you next time on Animation Communication. Bye. See ya. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to Animation Communication on YouTube, Spotify, or your favorite podcasting provider. We are really hoping the show makes a difference in how people view animation, as well as media as a whole, as well as giving and providing advice for people all over the world who like and want to join the animation and media industry. If you like what you heard, please remember to show support by giving a like, a follow, rating those 5 stars, as well as subscribing to our main I Love Kim Possible A Lot channel on YouTube, and turn your notifications on! New episodes of Animation Communication come out every Wednesday at 6am EST on podcasting platforms, and 4pm EST on YouTube. You can follow the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at the KP Podcast for information on upcoming guest episodes and more, as well as our hosts KP and Lyo Convoy at I Love KP a Lot and at Lyo Manbad on social media. I'm Lucy, and thank you for being a part of our community. See you next time on Animation Communication. Mm-hmm.